So as you read, I'm certain that all of you read every email that comes from Nachamu Ami. I'm certain that you wait anxiously in front of your computer for the Friday email that comes so that you can stay absolutely connected and in touch with everything that's happening at your beloved congregation. I know that happens. So when you read the email that you were waiting for all week, with the introduction about what we were talking about today, we talked about... What, it, what was it? What, what, what are we going to talk about? Good guess. Shabbat Shuvah. Shabbat Shuvah. Shuv, as you know, is the root of the word Shuvah. T-S-H-U-V-A-H. It is not Teshuvah. It goes all together and it's Shuvah. That's how you pronounce that, just so you know. Shuva, turn, repentance. So this is the Shabbat that falls between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, known as Shabbat Shuva. Why? Well, because this is a particularly auspicious and climactic time for Shuva, repentance. That's kind of what all these days are about, right? And I know that everyone longs to hear message upon message about tshuva. And so you've been waiting since last year, 364 days ago, or five, to get here for this. As a matter of fact, Shabbat Shuva is one of the days where in Israel, particularly among the more religious communities, what the rabbi is going to talk about, he prepares extra, extra, extra time to prepare this message. Sometimes these messages are advertised and promoted because this is a very, very important time for the rabbi to bring you into, if you haven't already gotten there, the spirit of repentance which is why I sent that email out. That was the advertising. That Everybody got that, right? <laughs> I'm glad you don't lie. A blank face is better than a lie. But here's my question. This is like stress central for, for the rabbis around the world. The high holidays are the most stressful time. You're preparing six or seven sermons that fall over a 10-day period. You have services and liturgy and all this different stuff going on. Who in their right mind came up with the idea that this message should be extra long? I don't like that idea. So I'm not going to give you an extra long message. You know why? You don't need one. You don't need one because you understand what shuva, what repentance is. It is the word of our master, Yeshua, who said what as his prominent, really only gospel message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so I could give you that message on Shabbat Shuvah and just simply repeat what Yeshua said. Repent 
For the kingdom has come near. Remember when we're talking about the king is in the field and we're talking about these days where Moses was on Mount Sinai and he came down on Yom Kippur and forgiveness was granted. These are days that are particularly designed by the creator of the universe for you to repent. But I'm going to give you a little bit more than just what Yeshua said because the sages of Israel in their wisdom, who have put together the Torah portions and connected the Haftorot, the Haftorah portions, have done something very, very particularly important for us. And that is, in the Haftorah portions for today, which are found in Hosea chapter 14, Joel chapter 2, and Micah chapter 7, the sages of Israel have laid out for you what repentance looks like. And what you need to be prepared to do, starting back on Elul 1, but now especially in between the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on Shabbat Shuvah. There is a plan. It's very straightforward. I'm going to give it to you. What you choose to do with it is up to you. Now, there is again, as I said on the era of Rosh Hashanah, little mini drash, there's a problem. There's a problem with where we start because this is very difficult for people to connect to, particularly Messianic believers, even more particularly Christians, who say, why do I need to repent? What is the deal with this thing? I have Yeshua. As a matter of fact, a man I respect greatly one time told me about the high holidays don't ever do that. Don't ever repent for sins. Yeshua has already taken care of that. And you only bring it up again and cause yourself detriment. That's a pretty prominent idea about Yom Kippur and the sacrifices and the book of Hebrews and that all this mess has passed away. So there's a little bit of a difficult connection here for a Messianic rabbi to connect believers in Yeshua to the importance of tshuva. As a matter of fact, going a bit further with that idea, when we were at Tashlich last week, and I had my breadcrumbs, and we've talked about that. I was having a conversation with someone who was there, and they were asking me, they, they told me about something that someone said to them. This person wanted to learn about Tashlik. They wanted to know what it, was, what it was for, what it was about. And you know what Tashlik is, taking your crumbs or your stones and casting them, which is part of our Haftorah today from Micah 7, the caster. But this person said to a member of our congregation, what if you don't have any breadcrumbs? Like, what if I don't have, what if I don't need any breadcrumbs? That blows my mind. That blows my mind that a human of flesh and bone who is not Yeshua can believe that they have no need of a, of a tashlich, of a forgiveness. But where does forgiveness start? It starts with 
confession. And this is a form of confession when we, when we engage in Tashlik. And so guess what? That person who asked, I don't have any breadcrumbs, is probably not going to get a lot out of what I'm getting ready to tell you. Because I've got news for them and all of you and me and everybody out there. You all got breadcrumbs. Every one of you. And regardless of Yeshua, for the eternal salvation that is granted to us without question, this matters to you, to Him, and to our Father in heaven. This Shabbat Shuva and the preparation of your heart. And so we start by looking at this first reading from the book of Joel. First of all, the book of Joel, little context that's important. Joel's, Joel's book begins with a call to wake up, he says. Blow a shofar in Zion. Hey, sound the alarm. Right? That's the book of Joel. And that's one of those songs that I love to make a joke about because it's talking about the judgment of the Lord and how great and terrible the day is. And we're going, hey, blow us so far. Hey, hey, hey. Like we're doing the cha-cha, like the Chiquita banana lady or something. It's about judgment. Like it's not good. And the context of Joel is, Joel is talking about a plague that's coming to the land. Literally, he's talking about a plague of locusts. And the book of Joel lists four different types of locusts that are coming to devour the land of Israel. And there is an analogy that's drawn through the sages that this also speaks of a number of things that were going to come prophetically to Israel. One, four types of locusts equals four kingdoms that will cause destruction upon Israel in the days the days of Nebuchadnezzar who will come and destroy. Persia who will come and put in submission. Greece who will come. Who's for? Rome. Rome. Okay, so Joel is writing this and it's literally about locusts, but of course it has a prophetic significance as well. So that just sets the tone a little bit. I want to, I want to read you a little bit of Joel. It says, and, and Adonai gave forth his voice. This is Joel 2.11. Adonai gave forth his voice in prophetic warning, it says in parentheses, before sending forth his army. For his camp is very great. For mighty is he that executes his word. For great is the day of Adonai and exceedingly awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, pause, yet even now, the word of God is inserted in there. In other words, even now, I'm speaking the word of God. I want you to hear this. Even now, the word of God, return to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with lament. And then he says, and rend your heart and not your clothing and return to Adonai. Rend your heart, not your clothing. He says, Tear your heart open, not your clothing. What is the rending of the garment? 
The rending of the garment is done upon hearing bad news. It's, it's torn over the left side, over the heart, the outer garment, and sometimes the inner garment, depending on the level of pain. Rend your garment, you've heard it, and it's accompanied sometimes with sackcloth and dust on the head and ashes. It's morning, rend your heart, I'm in pain. And God says in Joel, that's not enough. That's not what I want. What does that mean for us in the high holidays? There are mil well, there's not. Did you know the Jewish population is only 0.2% of the world? I was going to say there's millions of people who are going to come in on Yom Kippur. There's not millions. Maybe, but there's probably a few hundred thousand that are actually going to come into services on Yom Kippur. But did you know what? Many of them are going to be here because they have to be here, not because they want to be here, and not because they're going to come in with purpose. They are going to come in, and they're going to rend their garment a little bit outwardly. And we're going to make a show of it. And we're going to show up in the synagogue and we're going to be penitent and humble. And we're just going to, not literally, not literally. I'm not telling you to destroy your best Yom Kippur clothing. An outward show of rending the heart. And God says, I don't need it. Keep it. I don't want it. I want you to dig down deep into your heart and I want you to tear your heart open before me. That is where repentance starts. Do you know why people won't connect to Yom Kippur? Because that's painful, it's ugly, it's uncomfortable, and no one wants to do that. And so we come in and we read some prayers and we sing, we, we sing some liturgy, and we just do it, and all we're doing is thinking about the pizza that's coming at Nilah. And God says, you can have it. Don't even waste the time. Rend your heart. Log big dechem, not your clothing. And the people who don't have any breadcrumbs and the people who, who are unwilling to admit the fact that Yeshua still calls us to repentance will not be willing to do that. And thus, here is the problem. As I peel away these layers, things are exposed. Now, when you sin, it breaks God's heart. It should break your heart. But the fact, simply put, if you break God's heart, that should break your heart. It's always and always only about us. Oh, I sinned, I got to pay the punishment. I got, I got, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to suffer for this. You hurt God. That should hurt you. And so then Hosea continues where Joel, we'll come back to Joel real quick. But it hurts God when you do it and it hurts you. And so when you peel away the layers, what would you expect except to have that be painful. Who likes to hurt? Who likes to get their heart broken? 
Who likes to stand before the God of the universe or any other person and confess that they are not such a great person as they look like on the outside? Who likes that? I know I love it. No, I don't. But Hosea goes on in chapter 14, and that's the main Haftorah reading for today, when he says, Shuv Yisrael, Shuva Yisrael. He says, Shuva Yisrael ad Adonai Elohecha. Return Israel to Adonai your God, for you have stumbled through your iniquity. And then he says this in chapter 2. I mean in verse 3. Kehu imachem devarim. Kehu imachem devarim. Take with you devarim, words. What does that mean? What does that mean? Return to me, Israel. Return to me, for you've stumbled through your iniquity. Take words with you and return to Adonai. Say to him, forgive every sin and accept goodness and let our lips substitute for bulls. That phrase right there, the lips substitute for bulls, is the entire basis of the liturgical service that happened after the temple was destroyed. And the sages of Israel came up with this and said, we don't have any bulls. We cannot offer bulls. All we have are our lips. And so they looked to Hosea and said, clearly God will receive our prayers as he received the sacrifices. But starts with Joel. When you come to repent, the first thing you do is you open up yourself. You open up your heart. You confess. The second thing you do is you take words with you. When I hurt Kelly or I disrespect my parents or hurt one of my children, you know what I love to do to apologize? I love to go up to them and go, do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm thinking that I'm sorry. It really works, doesn't it? I hurt you. Sam, I said something bad about you. You know what? It's all better now. You can't think you're sorry and hope that it's going to accomplish the purpose. You must take words with you. That is the basis of confession. And so we rend our hearts, our inner, not even our inner garment, our our life source, we rend it and we open it before the Lord and then we come before him on this time, this day, and we take our words with us. And we say to him and to others on Yom Kippur, I am sorry, God. I am sorry. I have failed. But if you don't have any breadcrumbs, you don't have to do that. Because you got it all figured out. Everybody has something to say. You take your words with you. A confession, an admission, a willingness to change from your hurting heart confessing. And then, then the blueprint continues through the Haf Torah. Joel, Hosea, we come to this best part. It's in the book of Micah. 
chapter 7. We've arrived now. We've committed ourselves to not an outward tearing of the garment, but an inward rending of our hearts when we come in here on Tuesday night and Wednesday. And even now, during the days leading up to that, God, please, please show yourself to me. Please speak to me, God. Show me the things that need to be changed. I will receive it. My heart is open to you. I've peeled away the layers so that you can speak into my heart. And I'm speaking back to you and I'm confessing. And then what happens? We move to the book of Micah for the last part of the Haftorah. And it says this, to me with my rent, painful heart and my embarrassing humiliating words that I must say to the God who gave me life, to the God who blesses me, to the God who protects my family, to the God who does everything for me. And I've had to come and stand before him with my rent heart and my humiliating words of confession. He says in Micah, who God is like you who pardons iniquity, overlooks transgression for the remnant of his heritage, who has not retained his wrath eternally, for he desires kindness. He will again be merciful to us. He will suppress our iniquities and cast into the depths of the sea all their sins. If that's not worth the time to you, then don't come. Just stay home. You can rend your garment in your living room while you watch TV. But to me, that's worth it. It's worth it to go through pain, to hear God speak to me, and then to say over me those words. I will cast your iniquities away. And yes, we have Yeshua as our eternal covering. Again, for the third and not the last time, for this room, for me, for the recording, for the whole world. I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about this life. But Micah 7 is not actually the, I said it's the best part. There's a bester part. There's a bestest part, which follows right on the heels of this. As we go back into the book of Joel in chapter 2, 14 to 16, he says this. Well, let me pick up back where we started. Yet even now, the word of God, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, with weeping and with lament, and rend your heart, not your clothing, and return to Adonai your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abundant of kindness. And he, he reconsiders regarding the evil. Whoever knows that he has strayed shall return and reconsider his past and it shall leave behind it a blessing. That's my favorite part. Do you know that you've sinned? I'm not Jonathan Edwards. This isn't sinners in the hands of an angry God. Do you know that you've sinned though? God says, 
Whoever knows that he has sinned shall return and reconsider his past and it shall leave behind a blessing. A rent heart knows that it has sinned. A mouth that has confessed knows that it has sinned. And a child of God receives the promise of forgiveness that comes in Micah 7 and back through Joel as we return to God behind this process. It leaves behind a blessing that will transform your life. What he's saying literally here, Joel literally is saying, it, he reconsiders, whoever knows that he has strayed shall return and reconsider his past and it shall leave behind it a blessing, a meal offering, a libation to Adonai your God. What does that mean? I'm not talking about meal offerings. He's talking about the locusts, that you can still avert the calamity of these locusts by repenting and they'll you turn and they'll turn back. And in their wake, even in all of the potential destruction of locusts or your sin, what will be left behind is a blessing, enough to offer up mincha to God, an offering to God. That is the trajectory, my friends. That's what Yom Kippur is. That's what these days are. That's what Shabbat Shuva is. It is a call that only echoes the sound of the shofar. But you have to hear it. You have to be willing to do some work. You have to be willing to go through some pain. And someone is saying, aren't these the same messages that I heard last year? How dare you know there's nothing that's the same about this except the same part that will always be there because it is my job to remind you to return to God. So yes, you've heard this before. Yeshua told it to you. The prophets told it to you. Moses told it to you. David told it to you. And I'm telling it to you. You have to invest. This plan is for everyone who knows and admits that they have breadcrumbs. You make a space and he will leave behind a blessing and you will emerge from these days better. I have been forced over the last week I have never committed myself to the high holidays as much as I have this year. Never. Be honest. There's a confession. I'm sorry. There, I said it. I wasn't even thinking it. I have never committed myself with the same passion and zeal to the prayers, to the preparation, to making sure I heard the shofar, to reading Psalm 27, to doing the things that are, that are part of the Jewish expectation of Yom Kippur. And do you know what's happening? I'm having a jolly good old high holidays. No, I'm not. Everything that happens during the week, I'm being convicted of. If I say something bad about somebody, if I, if I and yes, I do that. If I say an off-color word, yes, I've done that too. If I judge somebody, if I lose my temper, 
I'm sensing God saying, that's what I'm talking about. Not in a mean way like that. More like, he doesn't even have to say anything. He just has to communicate. In my spirit, I know. And so I also know that the investment that we make now matters. And that's my hope for all of us. And that's my message. And Joel says this in his line. And this is where I'm going to end. He says in 2.12, Yet, even now, the Word of God returned to me. Do you know what that means? It means today. Even if not up to this point. The sages tell us that Hashem gave forth His voice before sending forth His army. That is the beginning of Joel 2.11. And that is, they say, the sound of the shofar. That He has given forth His voice. Did you hear it? I don't know if you did or not. It's not mine to know. But what I do know is that Joel says, even now the Word of God returned to me. It is not too late to make this matter. There is a great rabbinic sage also, Yeshua being the greatest of rabbinic sages, and I've already quoted him, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is another one, Rabbi Eliezer, who says, repent one day before your death. That's found in Pirkei Avot 2.10. Repent one day before your death. Asked his disciples, does a man know on which day he will die? Said he to them, so being the case, he should repent today. For perhaps tomorrow he will die. Thus all of his days are passed in a state of repentance. That is us, guys. But these days, these days and the day that is coming most, this Wednesday, please come with a rent heart, with confession on your lips, with expectation to hear the voice of heaven communicate into you. And an even greater expectation that God's word never, ever, ever lies. And all of this will leave behind for you a blessing. Shabbat Shalom.